Welcome to Small Talk with Raincraft. I'm Subha, a leadership and executive coach, and I'm Hasita, a marketing strategist. We're just two people who love to talk and love to learn. And this is us being curious about the world around us. Join us. Hey there, small talkers. Good to have you back. Today we have Nandita Ayer, better known as Saffron Tree. Nandita is a food blogger, a columnist for publications like The Mint Lounge, BBC Good Food and many more, and also the author of 3 amazing books. Her latest one is This Handmade Life, which talks about seven skills that can really transform your everyday life and how making things with your hands really is so so wonderful for each of us. Nandita and I met way back in 2009. when making friends on twitter was actually a thing i've loved watching her journey over the years as she has built her brand online and also shared her new interests as and when they've come along beat gardening home decor hindustani classical music and so much more in such an authentic and genuine fashion she's grown her followership on social media in a beautifully organic way and i think there's lots for us to learn from that So why don't you join us? Hi Nandita, welcome to Small Talk. So happy to have you here. Hi Subha, great to reconnect after so many years and it's good to yes, be here. Yes, yes. Nandita and I met uh, when we were still making real friends on Twitter, I think. <laughs> The good old days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I connected with her when I was in Gurgaon and loved to read her posts and her tweets. and then she was kind enough to meet and give me a lot of good advice when i stepped out of corporate and started on my own so really looking forward to this chat today nandita what i really what strikes me when i look at your journey you're you're a doctor by training lot of academic work in nutrition and then a completely different kind of career right blogging cooking writing what brought it all together what what makes it joyful for you i get asked this question a lot and yet i don't think i have the right answers <laughs> but i think one key element in all aspects of my life is i don't plan too much i i'm someone who goes with the flow and if on a particular day or at a particular moment i feel like this is the right thing for me to do i just go with that and i don't overanalyze uh, big decisions much much to my own shock i overanalyze the little things on what do i wear today or what do i cook today but big things like buying a house or changing a career or doing something absolutely drastic i don't think too much on that so it's uh, i as silly and stupid as it may sound i think uh, that's how i've been living my life so far because i feel like there is no point in uh, analyzing too much about whether oh, i should start writing what will happen to my medicine that i've studied or uh, if i go into music now what will happen to my writing i think at each point in life you have to do something that makes you happy and gives you the satisfaction and fulfillment and uh, i think that's how i pursue everything in my life so i don't have any answers on why i took this decision because i myself don't know interesting and i think in the last couple of years with the pandemic a lot of us are slowly gravitating to that mindset that just 
take it as it comes and not overthink too many things because you know i think also overthinking will not lead us to anything i understand like if you're starting a company and all that it makes sense to do a swot analysis and find out if you know what's going to be the benefit or are you going to lose something but i think for everything in life you can't do that and it may not necessarily give you the answer that is actually going to happen things take their own uh, course and you can never predict such things so it's best to do things in the moment and be in the moment and do what you think right now is good for you interesting and i know that uh, you know you share a lot of different uh, interests of yours online and uh, your most popular avatar if i may say is probably saffron trail the the name of your blog and yeah. uh, most known as a food blogger but there is so much else that you do and there's a lot of writing that you do right freelance writing there's your newsletter lovely newsletter with uh, on slow living and food i see posts on gardening home decor i get that you know there's no really long term planning but how do you divide your time what helps you decide what's going to be the focus for even this day today or the next few days or how do i yeah. grow each of these so when it comes to focus clearly uh, what has a very strict deadline like a book submission of something or i have to submit my column which is like an ironclad deadline of course those things need my immediate attention and i would like to uh, get it out of my way first but even today after like 16 years of being a blogger and many years of being a freelance writer and columnist i think the best writing comes out only on the day of the deadline <laughs> no matter how much uh, you plan and you tell yourself next time i'm not going to send on the last day but that's how it happens and i think uh, you write best under pressure I, at least i should be speaking for myself and i know many writer friends who will agree with me that nothing comes out like when there is an axe on your neck and uh, you like you have to give it right now and that's when all the best ideas will flow very fast and there's no chance of a writer's block because uh, there is no op- option you just have to submit you can't just say that i'm having a writer's block today so no call up next week you can't do that so uh, yeah so that's the first thing i like to do and all my like my entire social media i just do it as i please i have no calendar for that my tweets are usually a stream of consciousness Of course I edit myself a lot these days because I don't like to get into trouble and uh, with all this rampant uh, cancel culture and uh, people trolling you I early days I used to tweet exactly the things that come to my mind I don't do that anymore but otherwise it's like I see something nice in my garden or I cooked a nice dish or I read a good book or I listened to a good song and I will not time that or put it in the calendar I just tweet it as it comes to me and uh, even things like Instagram there are people who plan their whole feed and calendar and this post and that post I tried that and it lasted for all of some two days and I don't think I can follow that kind of uh, Instagram is not my life what happens in my life sometimes I post it on Instagram it's the other way around so uh, again that like it's very spontaneous even the reels i sit in my garden i make it instantly and i post it i'm not going to sit and download some fancy editing software and then do all that it's just very spontaneous but some people like it but also because i'm so spontaneous and i'm not so regular i don't get that much engagement or follower growth etc 
but i'm okay with that because i can't stress myself out over everything like social media which is not really uh, my bread and butter i i would never want a scene with that's what is my entire life depends on that then every day the algorithm changes it's going to be extremely stressful for me so i'm not bothered about that and um, my uh, blog because of my books and my column and my newsletter there's only so much writing one can do so it definitely took the back seat and for like almost a few years i've been very erratic on my blog but i also realized that uh, between instagram and blog now i realize i'd rather post on my blog because it's searchable it's permanent content unlike instagram it's not so fleeting that you cannot go back and search that recipe ever again and people can come back to it at any time so i have decided at least a few posts i will start writing on my blog now because even the newsletter is not really searchable it goes out on email and while it is there on the web it's not exactly like if someone is looking for a recipe which i've posted in my newsletter it will not really come up on search so i thought that why not i pick out some few interesting things and post it on my blog so i'm trying to prioritize that and get back to blogging because i have a good number of audience coming there uh, every day and even things like giving my own book link when like 75000 or people are visiting my blog in a month then why should i lose out on that audience to even share my latest book or whatever it's like a, a huge captive audience where i'm losing out if i don't post regularly so a uh, blog is one thing and then i in the last 5 6 years i have taken up hindustani uh, classical music quite seriously i learned from two teachers and i try to practice every day so that is also quite important to me like it's, it's kind of non negotiable that i will and there is no deadline for that i'm not really trying to start performing on stage or anything but uh, it's for my own self improvement that i want to uh, some time for it every day and make sure i practice but you know sometimes things like uh, proper work deadlines you often feel guilty that i shouldn't be sitting and doing my music when i have a deadline to attend to so sometimes i have to keep juggling that okay let me finish what has to be finished first and then i will get to music because your i am my own deadline so i don't have to like work for somebody on this so music is one thing and of course cooking i do every day it's a 99% chore and 1% sometimes it's inspiration which is why i feel like it, i've it been a, like the other way i i, I must admit <laughs> No, but that the one percent is what comes on the social media. The ninety-nine percent of the boring stuff you don't get to see, and uh, in fact, sometimes it gets so boring that I feel I will entirely shift my focus to music now, because that's what makes me happier. Cooking is like okay, what am I going to cook and what am I going to eat? It just becomes too boring and laborious, and it's not so joyful anymore. I feel sometimes. So yeah these are the things that going on in my life see like i said what you see on social media is very much an extension of my day or what i do at home because things like home decor i like to keep uh, juggling around my furniture the plants and everything so on a day i feel like okay things look good and they don't look so cluttered i like to post a picture but that's not how my house looks all the time so it's like just the like everybody has said this many times that what you see on social media is just like the cover of a book and 
it's not the book so you can't assume that everything in my life is perfect or i cook the best food or i keep the best home or that's all it's just the tip of the iceberg and a few things that uh, you said no it's it's um, it's interesting like the way you have grown your identity as saffron trail food blogger author has been very organic right so we i think and that's what uh, brings a lot of us to your profile on various platforms because we don't expect to see very curated and planned feed right we know that there'll be like uh, something where you're you're sharing some home decor suddenly there's garden and then you're singing so th- there's a there's a lovely mix of it and there's an uh, a nice unpredictability to all of it but a lot of creators i see do struggle to kind of bring that real self online there's i think there's second guessing they're trying to play to the algorithm and then there's a huge amount of kind of imposter syndrome right how can i go and sing there or how can i go and put out something that i did so how do you know those who are maybe generally shy or introverted or many times i hear youngsters say to me i don't have a way with words and a lot of being on platform seems to be kind of a play on words or saying it well so how can we make it easier like some of us who struggle with that yeah this is a very thought provoking question and like i said what you see on social media is just such a tiny part of me because i feel like 90% of me is just imposter syndrome <laughs> and uh, 99% of me is just second guessing myself all the time in fact uh, my youtube videos which are already online i will absolutely not play them or watch them again uh, i will not watch them at all like uh, when the people who shoot it for me ask me to put some like important health related captions and all i will run through it very quickly because i don't want to see myself or i don't want to hear myself talk it's like even when i want to capture the link of that youtube video i will quickly copy paste it before it starts playing or or if an ad starts playing before that i'll be very thankful that oh god i don't have to see myself in this it's not to be very funny and try to say that i'm like this but i just want to give some inspiration to people that even the people who you think are the most confident online and who put out their work fearlessly they are battling this all the time and especially women i would like to think because uh, i see a lot of men who would even explain our gynecological problems to us on twitter when they don't know the g of gynecology and uh, that's another level of confidence which men have men a lot of men seem to have or explaining a topic where they have never entered and done something but they will explain it to you like they are the encyclopedia of that i think we could all take like one page out of their book and get that kind of inspiration to be confident but jokes apart i think it's just the question of uh, practice and the first time you put yourself out there you'll feel stupid like i started my twitter account in 2009 and it was not until 2010 or 11 that i posted my first tweet so i feel like you know you feel what will i tweet who's there to read what am i going to say but uh, i think once you start then you're unstoppable then you have to tell yourself hello stop tweeting so much <laughs> you know so i feel like uh, it's about just doing it without uh, it's like they say not dance like no one's watching you should just do what you're doing and uh, not bother and eventually you will also get better because you're doing something and uh, your fear of putting things out there will also 
reduce day by day and it will eventually go away so and also there's something that everybody is good at and i think today's uh, internet world there are so many avenues that i know people who are not writers at all but they just do silly jigs and dances on instagram and they get millions of followers and here we are painfully writing every post and we are losing 100 followers every day so i think there is a scope for everybody to do something that they are good at and uh, they should at least find out the one two things you are good at and combine that and start putting out your work because i don't believe that for everything you need writing in fact nobody is there to read now we are like begging people please read what i'm writing so i think writing and reading forget about it even if you're good at a dance or you're good at drawing or you're good at something or you're good at just making memes or finding out these funny tamil comedy memes or something bollywood you know i'm sure some everybody is good at one thing and uh, even like slightly good and once you start doing that you'll only get better so find out that one thing you're good at and then just start don't bother and just start posting and trust me everyone like i'm sure even if you go and talk to the top bollywood actor or someone who's won a booker prize they'll all tell you that they have imposter syndrome they're second guessing themselves and they don't look back at their work i hate to open my book and see what i've written of course i like a few paragraphs and i know i have done well in those so i i will open that but uh, and sometimes i will listen to a song that i've sung if not anything only to be critical and see how could i have done this better but i'm not afraid of a few things but i'm very afraid of going back and checking out some of my work and uh, even today when i write or i do something i always ask myself am i going to be embarrassed about this after 10 years when i go back and read it because everything is away internet archives everything and you are not losing anything so uh, dance like no one's watching is very scary because you don't want to be captured and put on the internet but the rest of the things you can do it and i think you can be confident a little by little and get better at it i know that's uh, both reassuring and inspiring because i think uh, it's really don't aim to be perfect and and do start with that one thing you're good at and just keep building on it and there's an audience like you said there's an audience for almost every kind of content that today um, yeah in a way it is a struggle to push uh, written content uh one of the reasons even i moved to podcast and i found that generally i enjoy audio a lot more than video and it's a lot e- easier medium for me to create and discovered it on my own in a way so you're right we just have to make the transition or make an attempt but you've got three books out now nandita on vegetarian recipes superfoods and now a lovely collection of uh, just handmade things things you can do with your hands right and i know there was a pandemic project in a way uh, but how much do you need to consume content to create i mean does it is it all just from your own experiences or does the act of writing and publishing involve a lot of research and consuming a lot of content it definitely depends on the type of book you're writing see something like a cookbook i don't have i and especially if it's something out of my own creativity and my niche then i know what i'm doing and i just have to try out different combinations see what works what is a little easier what takes lesser time what takes fewer ingredients what comes out tastier these are all my criteria when i want to put something in a cookbook now when i'm looking at something more nutrition centric like superfoods i have to check out more of the research current uh, 
research because I have not just written that okay spinach so anti-cancer anti this I'm trying to give references for each and has some study been done or uh, how is this proven so for that I need to go through different kinds of uh, medical journals or nutrition journals etc published papers or these peer-reviewed journals etc so that's a different kind of reading Obviously, I'm not going to read Wikipedia or some random other websites because I want a little more solid uh, backing for the claims that I'm making in my book. And uh, for this handmade life, uh, I've purely chosen things out of my own experiences. But when you're writing a book, the difference between a blog and a book is that in a blog, I can make a claim that when I do crochet, I it's uh, superbly calming and I feel like it's meditative and it's so good for mental health but I can't make such a blanket statement in a book so I have to quote a couple of you know articles from good sources or some research or something so that just uh, that's the difference between just writing for yourself and writing in a book is that when you make a claim you want to be uh, while we all know that is true it everyone feels calm when they do something with their hands but uh, it's just not enough that I feel it so or I want to say that. It's good to have some external high-level validation, a good quality validation to this fact. So those are the little things that I had to read up uh, to kind of bolster the claims that I was making in the book. But otherwise, the experiments, the projects, my personal stories, that's all just me and I didn't really have to research. And of course, in each chapter, I ended up speaking to an expert. So I also get... Like the whole book is not just I, me and myself and I'm trying to include some other people uh, and their journey and uh, their experiences in each chapter. So that's why the idea of uh, including some other experts or people who are into these hobbies very seriously. But otherwise, this kind of book is more of a memoir and it's more like my experience and uh, because I would have loved to include things like pottery and woodworking and all that but I've never done that in my life and uh, I would love to learn that in future but since I've not done it I thought that it won't sound convincing enough how can I write about something and ask people to do something which I've not done myself right so uh, I had to leave out those things and I only included the things that I have done and I think anyone who reads the book will get that personal connect coming from me that this is how I got into it, this is how I've done it, these are the mistakes I made and this, these are the problems I've faced. The most important thing that I wanted to convey in this kind of book is that, again, don't run after perfection. The first bar of soap, you're not going to sell it on some artisanal uh, shopping site for 500 rupees. You're, if it doesn't work at all, you can use it to wash your dishes. So let's not run after perfection in every project and let that not keep us from doing things with our hands uh, because the essence of handmade is imperfection. That's what makes it beautiful. If you see a lot of these uh, hand-printed or hand-dyed fabrics uh, and clothes online, they will say that expect some imperfections because each piece is unique and it's been made. It's not factory-made that everything will be the exact copy of each other. So I think that is the beauty of handmade and it helps if we accept that generally in our life that, you know, things will be imperfect and that's okay. No, I really um, love the thread I'm seeing, like, you know, just doing what you enjoy in that moment and 
with you know out of that comes a blog or an insta post or a book but uh, i love the authenticity that you bring into everything that you do like the example you gave i mean i think it's very tempting to add pottery and add woodwork and add five other things which maybe will interest a slightly larger audience or pull in some more people because it's like the 30 things you can do rather than the six or seven things you really did and enjoyed doing but uh, today more and more we're all seeking that authenticity and who's real and who can we really connect with and I think this does it uh, the book does it beautifully thank you like i said a lot of um, people today are part of this gig economy and trying to be out there and create their own personal brand and be online i also see many youngsters just fresh out of college go into that freelance mode maybe because I had a very strong corporate grounding before I started doing something on my own and maybe a slightly traditional view that I hold but there was a lot of value in being surrounded by people smarter than you in an office place learning the discipline from experts meeting good bosses bad colleagues able to understand all of that ethos what is your view or advice to those who are who just start out or are trying to grow a freelance business at a very young nascent stage i think because i i also think that i'm also a 70s kid and uh, far from a millennial so i feel like even i have pretty traditional thoughts on that it's good to learn the ropes uh, surrounded by people uh, who are who are more experienced and who have worked in the field for much longer than you have because i think a lot of these things you learn by just being there and not out of a youtube or in college nobody learns anything of use i think in any of these degrees and courses uh so when you come to work and in that atmosphere you end up learning from a lot of people i think all of it somewhere and you're not going to work thinking that i'm going to learn something today i think you just absorb things like a sponge without your own knowledge and somewhere when after a few years when you're doing something certain qualities will help plug those leaks or will help help you in those situations i'm uh, just unknown to yourself so i i do feel it helps but i to be honest i can't uh, make a statement on this because i have not been in a space where i got out of college and was managing my own work or i was freelancing so i don't really know how that works for them or uh, maybe because it's like they're just straight thrown into the water and fending for themselves they develop some other qualities that make up for not being in an office traditional workspace uh, they get to be their own pr person their own finance person their own marketing person and uh, they just develop mad overall kind of skills and i feel with such a person then goes to a traditional workspace they bring a lot to the table because they literally know something about everything which i think in a workspace you tend to be very focused that this is my job and i have to do only this but you know, as a freelancer and from my current experience like i need to know what is gst i need to know uh, how to write a pitch about providing my own service to somebody or i need to know how to negotiate a deal so many things right which uh, i've studied medicine for god's sake they have not taught us anything about anything in all these matters but when how did i learn this so i'm being on the journey and not even like watching or reading something just by living the experience and uh, 
my husband is a finance professional but i get no such advice or anything from him this is all just my own uh, learning because he will know nothing about a freelancer life or uh, they are into like big corporate monies and all that right so i think it's there are two different paths and i'm sure some people go from one path to the other some people are on one path from the beginning it's very difficult to say if one is better than the other both have their own merits and demerits now your perspectives were interesting and i think it's making me also think again because one they do add a lot of value if at some point they're building a larger business or go back to corporate and it does make you do a lot of things at the same time right you in a very traditional role you put yourself in a silo and maybe you just have to go in and write every day you don't have to worry about the reach you don't have to worry about the marketing you don't have to worry about so many things so yeah it is uh, definitely two sides of a coin and just wanted to get your views yeah. on and i'd like to wrap with asking you some things that are little memorable or uh, funny from your experiences i know as bloggers you get a lot of requests from brands and pr agencies etc what's been the weirdest ask till date there have been quite a few but something that's on top of mind and something i can just recall offhand is a campaign for a, a cell phone they wanted us to post some pictures like food pictures taken uh, from the cell phone on our instagram and it was going on and on like they were not happy with the stuff that was coming out from me when they were like reviewing it before posting etc and i was like making different desserts different dishes and all finally i got like fed up i said i i, I can't keep on making stuff so i started buying stuff from like fancy uh, bakeries and patisseries saying okay at least maybe this thing will photograph good okay and uh, I was like still taking pictures and sending it to them they were still not happy I said look this is nothing to do with me or my photo taking techniques or the dish the sports camera is just not good enough at that point I was using like the newest iPhone for my photos on the Instagram and everything so it's not like that I said yeah this is not the iPhone obviously uh, you can't expect that it will be like that and they said no so you take pictures with your iPhone only and then you post it that it's this I said sorry the deal ends right here I am not doing any such thing I cannot uh, it's an insult to the iPhone it's an insult to my integrity and to your own uh, you know brand and so was like the PR for a famous phone brand and I said sorry this is just not done. the irony of it all is like they were promoting the phone for its camera itself which was not good enough and expecting me to post content from the latest iPhone and then pass it off at this in the metadata if you go and check that extra data it will clearly say which phone that photo was taken from right or which camera so it's crazy that people can come up with such idiotic ideas what's the funniest thing that's gone wrong when you know shooting your videos or maybe even some posts that you put up like what had you or the audience in splits not really splits but i think i can't recall anything that funny right now but something that was kind of shocking or surprising was that someone i knew on instagram she was doing some sponsored branded content for a milk brand and uh, she had posted something and i just left some innocuous comment on her post and as a fellow content creator i always try to like or 
appreciate a content post, a branded post, because typically any branded post, the engagement tanks, uh, especially if you disclose everything ethically that this is the paid partnership, blah blah. The views and the likes and the comments just drop. So if someone has properly disclosed this, I try to leave a comment for them, saying at least it helps them say that okay, this post did decently well. My tiny contribution for that, right? So I just left some very innocuous, innocent comment, and uh, you won't believe it that that post got massively trolled by the vegans. And because of my absolutely innocuous comment, they came and trolled me also on my profile. <laughs> I thought I didn't realize that just leaving a comment on someone's post would get me in the gunfire, like a shootout kind of thing. So that was quite funny. So now I even think about when I'm leaving a comment. I think is there any chance of me getting shot over this? And I try to be careful. Yeah. No, you're right. I think like you said earlier on, that cancel culture weighs heavily on our mind nowadays. Like, yeah. what am I saying? And if you do truly speak your mind. There is somebody somewhere who will get offended because each of us have different thoughts, ideas, and yeah. we have to be more and more. Like careful. taking taking offense has become a national pastime, so I would rather not get into that and get caught. <laughs> Lovely, Nandita. So much fun chatting with you. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Thank you for taking out the time and all your book details and your blog and everything. I'll put into show notes because I know. folks would love to take a look if they already haven't because i think saffron trail is a is a very well known name now in the food and writing space thank you so much subha and uh, lovely chatting and it just goes to show that old twitter friends like we can just reconnect and take off and we feel like we were we were never out of touch so lovely talking to you as well thanks for featuring me in your podcast thank you bye bye small talkers thank you for listening till the very end we love bringing these episodes to you and we hope you enjoy them too please do drop in your comments likes shares reviews whatever you can do on the platform that you're on to help us reach a larger and larger audience and that would really make our day you can find out more about today's guest or today's episode in the show notes all the details and how you can find us on social media is right there thank you and see you next time bye